0: Thoughts. Ideas. People. Caravan maintenance. Trundle beds. What's that plastic thing doing down there? Shut up, Renee. Quiche. Niche. Niche's quiche.
1: Here's Sam Simmons.
0: It's 4.30 in the morning, it's 4.30 in the morning, but it's the only time I get to talk in solace. I get to be alone at 4.30 with the thoughts in me mind, without a child annoying me all day. Good morning, good hi. I don't I don't know, when you listen to this, you could be morning, uh, evening, in the truck, um, at home, doing the bloody, bloody painting your patio or pergola or um what's the other, rotunda maybe you've got a rotunda and you need to f- do some rotunda repairs and it's 3 a.m i just uh, i heard something about on the radio the other day about a um a 24-hour butcher which uh but it's like a self-service butcher and you go who's bloody making themselves chops at 2 a.m in the morning but anyway i hope you're good and you're feeling really good and everything's going nice for you and if it's not i hope uh, i can cheer you up this week and hello Um, yeah, it's good to, it's good to be, it's good to be with you and in you inside your minds right now. And I genuinely mean that I'm going to be bloody, I'm going to be brutal and frank. I've had a bit of, I've had a fucking rough, uh, last month and a half. Oh my. And it's all started to finally, you probably would have heard it in my voice and in the last few podcasts, there's something going on with him. What's going on with him? Um, but I'm feeling so much better. I've had a lot of uh, heavy stress on my mind, uh, financial. And financial then turns to emotional and you start, buddy, questioning all th- sorts of things in your life. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm at this point in my life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old and I'm stressing about this stuff. But And finally, it's just starting to work. I mean, I'm still in shit. I'm still in the shit. But um, I'm, sta- I'm starting to like, work I'm swimming my way through this river of shit right now. And I can see a life boy. Um, That sounds ro- a buoy. I'll say. I, I won't say a boy. I can see a boy in the shit, and I'm holding his hand. I'm like, let's get through this shit together, boy. Um, no, I'm I'm on the. Um, uh, I'm finally climbing up the banks of the side of the shit river, which is such a relief. It's it's look. If you are in trouble and you've got issues going on in your life, whatever they be, uh, emotional, financial, bloody just. I guess, I mean, and it costs money to go sort this stuff out by talking to a site, but I don't know, just reach out um, and try to find the things to try to help you or just talk it through with someone. I guess I don't really talk much through apart from talking to you guys in my ears. So this is like, I mean, this, I'm not saying this, this podcast is therapy for me. It's not. Um, sometimes before the podcast, I stress out about, oh my God, how am I going to bring joy to this? So, um, anyway, there's some joy in me and I want to share it like a little flickering candle of love. Um, Anyway, do you know what is good? Do you know, here's some good stuff. Reed avocados are back. Now, if you don't know what a reed avocado is, it's the king of the avocados. At the moment, they're a tiny bit pricey, just a little bit, but soon they'll be really, really cheap. Um, Because we've got an avocado glut. There's a glut. There's too many avocados, which is ridiculous. I remember... Avocados were bloody rare. They were like oysters, Um, even though oysters are everywhere now. Most foods are like that, aren't they? Like decadent foods, they're kind of like widely available now. I reckon maybe in 10 years, everyone's just going to be, I guess caviar's available, isn't it? It's all over your bloody sushis. Um, I remember a time, though, when avocados were like, whoa, bloody, god, can't bloody get an avocado this week. Now, bloody, you can pick up an avocado for 30 cents. It's ridiculous, because there's an avocado glut. Um, and there's a mango glut at the moment, too many mangoes, which people living uh, living overseas would just be freaking out about. Like, what do you mean you got too many avocados? You got too many mangoes as well? Are you guys living in heaven? Um, yeah, there's a there's a mango glut, there's an avocado glut. I think there's a stone fruit glut. There's too many nectarines. It's ridiculous. Um, and I don't know why. I think it's just bloody. I can't work out why it is. It's just is it too many already wealthy people just going oh bloody! i reckon we can make oh you know that land we've got you know that land we stole oh by the way i'm doing this on uh i'm recording this on the very morning of uh invasion day and i'll, I'll call it invasion day because it's bloody invasion day i don't care if you get angry and you're listening to the podcast you're like no nah, mate it's australia day things change mate it's time i had nothing to do with that 220 years ago or whatever it was but it is it's invasion gay uh gay Invasion days, 80,000 years ago, um, you know, I guess the original inhabitants came to us, were in Australia, I guess, crossed the land bridge or merged across land bridges between, I don't even know where it would have been, Gondwana land, but it's, uh, or or Indonesia into the north of, uh, because it used to be like a land bridge between uh, Victoria and Tasmania. That's how the indigenous people of Tasmania were there and uh, anyway, and Kangaroo Island. And I know that... The Gulf of Terrier used to be a massive lake. It was a freshwater lake, and then it was uh, Papua New Guinea. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, And, you know, we're all Australians. Yes, I guess we're all Australians, but there there does still need to be that acknowledgement. And that voice-to-parliament stuff. So what's going on here in Australia at the moment is there's a voice-to-parliament... that uh, I guess the, the Albanese and Labor government want to put in there so that Indigenous people or Indigenous represent. it doesn't mean every Indigenous person goes, hey, I don't want that bloody IGA going in there. It means that, you know, the representatives of that community can talk about stuff that's important to them, about uh, what we do with our land and protocol and stuff. And It, it makes complete sense. They do it in New Zealand. Um, it's not treaty, which is probably what's actually needed, but um, it's a good start, and I know. Been, I mean, I, I'm probably preach I'm preaching to the converted on this podcast for sure. There'd be no one listening to this getting angry about it. Um, going, oh, I'm not listening anymore, mate. He's bloody talking bullshit about the First Nations people. Uh, but anyway look hey reed avocados are back if you don't know what a reed avocado is they are the king of avocados so they're about the size of a large mango they're round they're quite round um they're not like a normal like a Haas avocado which is pear shaped they're more round and i swear to you you get a ripe one of those just wait for it to ripen don't get too eager like my uh, my wife is an absolute idiot with avocados she's got no idea she'll just hack into the side of an avocado that's not ripe and then just start like peeling it out with her fingers. And then I watched her mother. So my mother-in-law, she does the same thing. It's hereditary, like just weird. They've, they've got a strange thing, um, my, my partner and their family. I, I call them, um, what do I call it, intergenerational hands. They've all got the same way of using their hands to do things. Um, and they, they just use their hands wrong. Like if I was to pass coins to you, you'd hold out your hand with your palm side up but my partner, she receives coins kind of like if you were receiving a a biscuit, but you were going forward with your thumb underneath, like you were grabbing a, kind of like if you are tooting a, a horn on a bicycle, like So do that action, with thumb side down. That's how she received coins. So say you're handing like a handful of coins, She'll receive it like that with thumb down so she has to kind of grab out the coins instead and I have to like turn her hand over and place the coins into the palm of her hand. Anyway, watching her uh, uh, like uh, hack into an avocado, it infuriates me. But I mean, that's um, that's what you do with your partner. Small things with your partners infuriate you. But anyway, so yes, read avocados. Give them a chance. <laughs> Give them a chance. What am I doing? Give them a chance, guys. Um, I don't reckon many people are eating them. And I've been across them for about three or four years now. And um, anyway, that they are the absolute, oh my God, they are the
1: king
0: of avocados. Um, I got a nice message during the week from Kate, who lives down the road. Which is, This is sounding stalky now, Kate. And she was asking me about where to find um, the salad sandwich I was talking about last week. And I explained where it was. It's in Maroubra. It's a long way from where we live. But it reminded me that there's a great thing you can do with a banh mi. Um, and I did let her know this as well, but I'm letting you know too. So a banh mi is, uh, it's almost like the, it's become our national lunch in a weird way. Like it's, it's changed from bloody food, you might choose sandwich, mate, To uh, a banh mi, uh, or banh mi, ma- I'm probably saying it wrong, but a banh mi is a Vietnamese pork sandwich. I get one of those with no pork. So you get a, you ask for a banh mi, no pork, um, I do still get the pate and mayonnaise sometimes, but it's just chock, chock full of salad. Bloody yummy. Anyway, you don't need the pork in there. I guess the pate—that's a—that's a chicken's death. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's no there's no pig in there. Anyway, I've got issues with pig. I, I mean, I do like uh, I am I am partial to pork, and I shouldn't be. And I'd really love to get it out of my um my diet. But I reckon there'll, there'll probably be some bloody movement to guilt trip us even more that the porks are an animal we shouldn't be eating because they're too intelligent. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, they can't be that intelligent. They roll around in shit all day. Mind you, it might feel fun to roll around. If you were a pig and you're a person, like, you'd be like a, a person of a lesser intelligent, just ro- intelligence just rolling around in your own shit. Which, you know, who's to say that's not fun? That could be funny. If you give it up on life, why not just, you know, take your clothes off, roll around in your own shit, um, just eat eat shit. Yeah, it sounds like an an alcoholic. Anyway, um, if you, <laughs> that's all they are. Pigs, they're just bloody. They're just alcoholics, but without the alcohol. Um, anyway, I hope you're good, and I hope I've had a um, I've had a, I've just had a great week. I've not. I mean, it wasn't great, great. I've just had a bigger, big relief with my week. Um, yeah, I've I have been in such a financial hole because of. Uh, You know, the lifestyle I've chosen and being an artist and traveling the world and uh, COVID happening and you, you know, go to the States and spend all this money trying to build a career and then COVID happens and basically got myself in a huge hole, but I'm fine. Yeah. Anyway, I'm finally getting my way out of it. So that's been the big, great, great uh, realization for me. I traveled to Wyong last week. Thank you to everybody in Wyong on the Central Coast for coming to the Wyong Arts House to see my stupid show. It was loose. It was a really, really loose show. It wasn't a themed show. It wasn't like a um, festival show that I put out there. And um, my management were like, well, why don't you do a you know, a version of your new show? And I was like, oh, look, it's not ready enough yet to, to do that. So I just basically cobbled together a whole lot of old stuff and new thoughts. And it was a lot of riffing with the, riffing. God, I sound like a real pro here. I was woofing with the audience. Um, A lot of that stuff. And it was really, I loved it. It was really loose. It got really wrong at times. I went to some strange places mentioning George Pell. um, And you could feel in the audience there were certain sections that were just like, Oh, bloody, you can't say that, mate. You can't say that. Um, And I had some lovely interactions with uh, some people. I had some young guys there. They were really young. Too young, I felt, to have known this much about my career. But... They are all across. Oh, lovely people in the front row as well that were wearing T-shirts that said "Little Fuck Captain," which was a routine I did um, many years ago. Um, uh, I think at comedy up late, which was an ABC thing. And anyway, that must have resonated. But yeah, I've, I've had a few people rock up to gigs wearing a T-shirt saying "Little Fuck Captain," which is fa- which was the joke was that um, I went to a trendy shop and I had a I, I had buyer's regret because I bought a shirt that said "Little Fuck Captain." Oh, by the way, this is funny. So, oh my god, this just happened yesterday. I was gonna turn I was gonna try and turn this into a bit of stand-up, but I don't know how because I think it's too similar to Little Fuck Captain. But um I saw a guy walking <laughs> this is awesome. There's a guy walking down the street, like probably you know, mid-twenties, seemed, you know, he looked happy, and he was wearing a t-shirt, and he wasn't working for a shop that was this product, but he was wearing a t-shirt that said pho, which is the Vietnamese suit, PHO. Some say Pho... But it's pronounced "fa," I believe. Anyway, so "fa," and it said "fa" on the front of it, and then it had a you know a picture of a bowl of "fa," and I was like, "Oh, he must really love fur Which it would be. It wouldn't be, it's, you know, he wasn't in an area where he's going to work uh, in a shop that says "fa." It was like an ironic shirt that said "fa," even though there's no irony in "fa." It's the greatest soup on the planet. Anyway, so I playfully just wound down my window, and I went, "Yeah, man, fa," and he and he looked at me. And he said, "Fuck off." <laughs> I mean, I know the joke would be, fuck off, but what, you know, I mean, if he was wearing a footy team shirt or a Guernsey that said, you know, it was the Rabbitohs, and I went, yeah, Rabbitohs," he would have cheered back at me. Like, why can't I cheer for you and the soup you love? I love that soup too, mate. Anyway, that's very funny. Um, yeah, that was just yesterday at about, oh, nine in the morning, uh, with my daughter, my infant daughter in the back of the car, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, these kids at the gig who were lovely, um... Yeah, they did seemed young twenties, but they were talking about stuff from so long ago. They were talking about being me being on Triple J TV, which was many years ago. But I guess that was kids' television. They would have been, I reckon, seven or eight years old watching that and absorbing it. Sheesh. Anyway, they were lovely. One of the boys I brought on stage, I can't remember his name. Was it Renee, Julian, Yarni, Yassels? I don't know. He had some some name that. Anyway, I've forgotten um but he was the wrong person to bring on stage he was lovely but he was the wrong person to bring on stage because he got into it too much and was overacting which you know i'm being an arsehole here saying this but i used to have a great um detector for bringing certain people up from the audience who just didn't want to be there that's that's the vibe they're the people i want on stage because they're like oh please don't make me do this bring them up on stage fantastic because there's awkwardness but this guy was a little bit too into it which i'm not denigrating you for good on you you got into it which is wonderful um, but it's better when people don't get into it, okay? It's funnier. That's all there is to it. If uh, Because it, it then negates the gates are funny. If you've got two guys overacting on stage, including me, that um, create, creates a vacuum of unfunny. But anyway, that's not his fault. He was a lovely guy. We got a lovely photo after the show. And I actually rewarded them with um, a prop, my prop medal. So you can bloody trophy them, bloody do whatever you want with them. Um, it's not like you know it's a big thing to get it from me, but... Uh, anyway, so yeah, Wyong was was interesting. Now, here's the thing. this is Now, I don't think this is going to get back to the people who I'm go- about to rip on um, because there's no way they'd be listening to this podcast. I don't know how it would get back to them. But I had some people in the audience that I had uh, given some complimentary tickets to. Now, I'm going to say this right now. Eight complimentary tickets to someone who's involved vicariously in my life. Now, this is interesting because... I drove. I I was going to catch a train to Wyong from Sydney, um, which is you know, you know, almost a couple of hours drive, Um, and it was rainy night. um, But I drove up, um, so got there, did the gig, and then after the gig, all I really wanted to do was I want to go home. I'm not drinking normally after a gig. I want to have a drink because you know your adrenaline's high, but I went, nah, I don't need to drink anymore. So I'm being really, really good this year, ara. So I got the. was uh, driving myself home, but before I left, I had to of course go and say, Hey, out to the people I knew, um, thank you for coming to the gig, all that type of stuff. Anyway, I went out there, it was the weirdest vibe. All the people who'd paid for tickets to the show that hung around, amazing. Coming up to me, thanks so much, we had a great time taking photos. Oh, how are you? What are you doing? Oh, you're lovely. Met some really, really genuinely lovely people after the show. And they're the people I, kn- sorry, the two people I knew, were well, looking at me like I'd would uh, like i done something. And I assume it might have been something I'd said during the gig. Not about them at all. I think maybe some content within um, my um, hour and a half, I think the show went for. But there was something in there that must have embarrassed them in front of their friends. I'm just, maybe I'm thinking way too much. The thing is, okay, the people I got the tickets for, they sent me a message saying, oh, thanks for the tickets, we really enjoyed the show. But when I got to the table to meet everyone else, they're all looking at me like, and I know that I'm odd and my show's weird, but they're all looking at me like I've I've just, I've stuck my finger in the side of their mind and fucking molested them. They looked at me like, oh my God, the freak's coming over. Not one of them said, hey, thanks for the gig. Not Not even a pretend, oh, I really enjoy, just nothing. Just weird looking at me. And just shuffling around and eyes looking down at the table. What the... It's like my dick was hanging out at the table. Like I'm like, hey, how you going? And my scrotum is like rubbing against the side of their um, glass of beer. It was the strangest experience. Which just sent me into a paranoia just driving home on a freeway back to Sydney. Where um, all these F-heads on the Central Coast who drive, you know, it's 110 speed limit to go back. Let's drive 130 behind Sam Simmons in his Nana's hatchback. Anyway, it was a strange way to end the gig. And I know this is not going to get back to them, but fucking out. show a bit of bloody, show... just show a little bit of love. Oh, fake it, just fake it. It's the way the world should, I do it every day. I wake up and I'm in a bad mood. I will fake it. If I go to a coffee shop and I see someone, how are how are you? Even though on the inside, I'm like, I'm fucked. Um, I will do that because then you'll, Trick your brain and your synapses into feeling a little bit of joy in your life. What a weird fucking time that was. Anyway, that's um, it's probably not the only rant I've got this week, but it's a rant enough. All right, I'm going to play something now. I think... All oh, right, I'm going to do the history of maths here. I've not heard this one yet. I'm just going to drop it in. We'll see what it sounds like at the end of it. All right, see you in a second.
1: The Sam Simmons Experience. Maths. I love maths. I just love it. Like, I could just recite Pi forever. 3.14159265358979323846264338... 9, 9, 3, 3, 6, 6, 3, 3, 3, Maths was invented 7, 9, back in caveman 9, 9, days in 14,737 BC when John Maths had an argument with Garth, a fruit merchant from the tundra, as to how many grapes belong in a bunch. Wait a minute, I've only got 27 grapes. Are you trying to rip me off? No, John... Look, there's no specific number of grapes per bunch. What do you mean? Well, it's a random number. But I only got 27. Yeah, but it could be 23. It doesn't matter. It's completely random. But that's not random at all. Now, anal penguin 76, that's a random number. (laughs) Fair enough, John Maths. Yes. Maths. You may have heard of a maths problem. Like when you don't have enough money to buy the stuff you want to need. $29.95, thanks. But I've only got 50 cents. (laughs) That's a maths problem. Here's another example of a maths problem. Timmy is travelling on a train at a speed of 76 kilometres an hour. He's travelling to Warburton, which is 45 kilometres from whence he started. Suddenly a rare and endangered sheep wanders onto the track, dislodging the train from its path. It's a horrible scene. One man sitting in seat 36D on the train has had his laptop pin an elderly retiree to his seat behind him, in seat 37D. <laughs> the elderly retiree was once a keen potter, but not anymore, cos now he's part laptop. In seat 12V, a Spanish lady is ayúdeme, crying out for help, ayúdeme. but no-one speaks Spanish, so she's largely ignored. Me la un de tren. So... If the train sits 45 rows and 5 seats across, marked A, B, C, D, and E, how many seats are on the train? 225? Did you answer 225 seats on the train? Si. Then you'd be correct.
0: And that's maths. Sam Simmons, The Precise History of
1: Things.
0: Well, I hope that was good, and I hope it uh, was still relevant, and you had a giggle. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting because I go through the list of all the things I've made before. Um, I, I won't often listen to them all the way through. I'll just go, oh yeah, that that seems like it was still funny or it's still there, and then I'll pop it in. And then there'll probably be something there that people will go, oh fuck, that's a little bit outdated. Um, well, bad luck. Um, do you know what my uh, my little girl said to me the other day in the back of the car as we were just driving along? She just said, "Dad, is it still COVID?" I thought that was quite a that what a that's a really profound thought by a um by a 5-year-old who's been through this. What a strange way to grow up during the pandemic and you know being isolated just stuck stuck at home with your parents. Is it still covid? There's something about that I like I like where that's going. I I was trying to explain to her the other day as well. She asked me this question in the car and it was uh it was too much to explain but I tried. She said to me do white rabbits in the snow, or are white rabbits in the snow brown rabbits, and do they, do they turn white when they get in the snow? So when you see like an arctic fox or, you know, an arctic rabbit or whatever it is, or even polar bears and you've got black bears, my daughter was thinking that once they go in the snow, they turn white. And I was like, well, technically you're kind of right. And what I had to explain to her, and I think there's a, there was a scientific example of this about, um, I think they were some type of bird... In Wales, and when Wales started mining and ash was spewed into the air, these once white birds um, were just being picked off by hawks because the hawks would see the white birds um, just sitting there, you know, amongst the black ash, and they were targets. And then slowly, over I think about, it only took about 50 years, this bird um, developed the ability, or had the ability anyway, because some of the white birds were speckled and had you know spots of brown and black on them. They were the ones that survived more. So the half, like speckled um, brown and white birds, then bred birds that were, you know, a little bit browner with just white spots. So they went from, you know, completely white with little bits of brown spot to completely brown with little bits of white spots. And I was trying to explain that via rabbits, and just point blank, blank. We pulled up at the lights, and my daughter just said, "I've got no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> it was really, it was really, it was really real and really cute. And then again, she reiterated with. I'm sorry I just don't know I don't understand and that's fair enough I mean how do you explain um, what is that natural selection or I don't know or once a, a theory of some sort of mutated mutated evolution to a to a five-year-old but it seemed like she was really engaging with it and I was really uh, I didn't have enough time to record it on my phone I nearly I nearly switched on the dash thing and um, recorded it but yeah, there was no big revelation for her. She was just completely confused, which was cute as, absolutely cute. Um also last week's uh podcast, I don't think it's let me check right now. It didn't go to Spotify, and I think it's because I played um the Dennis Waterman um theme from Minder and maybe during the algorithm that they check the podcast, they banned it or something or they didn't put it on there. So I'm going to re-edit that one and put um, episode, what am I even doing? What episode is this one? I think we're in 14. Sorry, I'm doing a little, I've got little hiccups going on. I'm not, uh, these are not meant to be revolting. Yeah, episode 13 has not gone up to Spotify. So what I'm going to do is do a re-edit of Edit 13, take out that song. um, Probably I'll just sing it in the middle there and then re-put up episode 12 and put an explanation in there as to why this bit sounds weird during that. So this is episode 13, I believe what no this is episode 14 god damn it i don't even know where i am what is this what is real life all right hey mike cannon brooks where are ya? mike cannon brooks i want to talk to ya. you can invest in some joy in people's lives and make people feel pretty silly because i reckon he might be silly i know he's a very serious man but I remember I saw an interview with him in the Good Weekend magazine, and he was all—he was sitting on the edge of a cliff, you know, doing yoga with a man bun. I mean, you've got to take yourself not too seriously if you're doing that, or you're in fact indeed way too serious. Um, but I don't think he is. I reckon he's got an element of silliness to him. I'm hoping that his favourite film is something like Step Brothers, or um, something just as ridiculous. I've not seen Triangle of Sadness yet. I've not seen it yet. I cannot wait to see it. I know all the Oscar nods came out. Why do we get invested in the Oscars? Like, oh, good on her. She's being nominated. Like, what the... Who the fuck are we? You know what I mean? To be that invested in the, in someone else's ridiculous career of just pretending. They're just... I mean, look, I've done... I, I've been acting. I want to do more acting. It's just bloody... It's good fun, but... You know, and also this whole whole thing about actors are geniuses. No, they're not. They're just really good rememberers. And very good at pretending. You're just professionally pretending. Um, but it was really exciting to see Michelle Yeo... Because she's uh, that Everything Everywhere All At Once. It's just such a great film. Um, I don't think... Oh, look, it's really hard as well. I don't think Ki Hai from Together We Stand. Ki Kwan from uh, Absolutely Everything Everywhere All At Once. Um, is going to take home the gong. Why am I talking about this? Good Lord. I, I don't think he's going to take home the gong, though. I don't. I think it's going to be that Barry Keong, or whoever it is, from Banshees of I- Oshigashenaritan. R- N- er- because er- T- N- er- T- N- it's just such a good movie. God, it's a good movie. I, I, I'm still thinking about it. It's just the profundity of that film, the Banshees of I- Oshigashenaritan. R- N- er- er- Sh- N- er- Sh- N- um it's funny it's dark it's i just absolutely adored it and i keep thinking about it i'd like to go back and see it again because it was just so weird but um anyway uh yeah i, I it's uh what why what do i what is it? i feel like that hollywood gossip guru um who's that guy that that american guy like oh my god what's going on in the in the hollywood um bloody revolting vultures they are bloody vultures those entertainment reporters angela bishop all that stuff it's bloody gross just gossip and but i guess it's escapism for for us you know what i mean like we escape via movies and reality and just like bloody plug in that's what i'm writing about at the moment so my new show is all about that switching off and just like oh, i can't deal with reality pop on some netflix um i'll oh, put a tablet in me and bloody i'll just watch netflix i'm gonna listen to some brown noise um, I'm trying to write all about that at the moment. It is just distraction. It's distraction from your real life. I reckon a massive power blackout has to happen. Actually, don't do that. That'd be like that. Um, what's that? I watched. I mean, it's another thing that I watched. I watched something the other night, uh, like apocalyptic, about mushrooms. Um, the Last of Us, I think it is. Uh, it's based on a computer game, which is, what, you're making bloody TV shows out of bloody and movies out of computer games now? It's actually quite good. But um, anyway, it's about the zombie apocalypse via fungus, which uh, could be the science behind it is actually quite real. Um, anyway, it's, I mean, it's not going to happen. Um, but you never know, we didn't think COVID had happened. That's via a bloody, was it an armadillo? No, it was a, pa- a pangolin, a pangolin and a bat. So a pangolin, bloody, a pangolin did a shit on a bat and then someone ate a bat. Or vice versa. I don't know. Um, we all eat a lot of mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Bloody mushrooms are good stuff, guys. Um, what am I talking about now? Yeah, that's all right. Mike Cannon Brooks. So I'm um, get involved, buddy. Get involved, Mike Cannon Brooks. Brooks. Uh, what am I going to play for you now? Um, oh, this is this is cute. This is really. Oh, this is really cute. This is. Uh, this is. When you really think about this one, or listen to this one. There is something um, metaphorically large about the thought. It's called bus stop. Let's go. Hi, Patricia, what are
1: you doing at the bus stop? I'm waiting for the bus to stop. Yeah, I know what you mean. What? A bus and? It stops at the bus stop. Yeah, I I know. I'm at the bus stop waiting for the bus to stop. Yeah, I don't really understand buses anyway. I mean, you get on the bus, then you just
0: have to get off again anyway. I mean, why get on in the first place on the bus?
1: Well, to go to the place you need to get to. But
0: what if you only need to get on the bus to be on the bus?
1: Why would you just get on a bus?
0: To be on a bus.
1: Yeah, but the point of the bus is to take you to the place where you want to go to.
0: No, the point of a bus is at the front of the bus so you can stab hunt finches while the bus driver drives.
1: Bus don't hunt finches.
0: Well, what do you think bus drivers eat to maintain sustenance for long bus driving journeys?
1: Yum-cha. Cha? Yeah, Yum-cha.
0: Yum Yum-cha. Yum Yum-cha. Sometimes Sometimes MMA, if they MMI, can get really nice place on Sussex Street straight straight on the way. Can can you, stop? you stop copying me? you stop Sam! me? Can you stop? stop. Sam. Sam Sam. is
1: an idiot. Stop. Stop. Freak. Freak. Oh. Hey, look! It's the new music. That's Triple J Fun Trust Radio Bus Mix Up Club.
0: It's not house. It's Northern Italian Finch Core.
1: Oh my God, Sam! Get on the freaking bus!
0: Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? On the bus, Sam Simmer. Attention, whoever
1: you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls
0: only. I reckon old people are like that. Um, just getting on the bus. They just get on the bus to get on the bus. They get on the bus to sit on the bus to interact. They whiz around. They see people, good people watching. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad how we are with our um elderly. And I think that's in a Western society more so, where you know you just leave them alone in the nursing home, or just leave them alone pretty much. And I know that you know there's shows like Old People's Home for teenagers and young people going into old people, but it doesn't really happen in real life. We watch it and go, oh yeah, that's how it should be, but we don't. Change. And I'm not changing it. I should get out there and. I'm nearly an old person, old old person, but yeah, you know when you you go to Coles and you see that um, that old duck, that lovely old lady, and she's all done up. She's got her lipstick on, and she you know you can tell she was glamorous back in the day, and she's just swanning around Coles, or just sitting on the courtesy bench next to the guide dog donation statuette, and she's all doled up. All those beautiful old men that wear a tie and still go to Coles, and you think, oh God bless ya. No, I guess they're bloody—they're uh, just travelling on the bus for the sake of getting on the bus. Which uh, it's bloody—it's just—it's sw- all sweet and sad. Uh, uh, speaking of sad, um, I mean, this is not sad, but it's just—I've got a dear friend who um, has a doggy, and the doggy's not dead yet, but the doggy's going to die. Dog die. Dog. Dog will die. Um, and you know, they're, they're spending money to keep the dog alive, but the vets, like you know, you're going to have to prepare yourself for this kind of thing. And I guess I, I, the advice I had for them was, you know, especially you know, because I my days working in zoos and working with animals, and you know, I guess putting animals out of their misery and euthanasia and stuff like that. And I've I've seen a lot. It's it's sad, but it's um, you know really necessary. There's a dignity to it, and um, yeah. The, the, what's interesting and intense about pet grief and losing a pet is. I don't think people give it enough weight because it really can affect people a lot more so than even um, a human death. And stay with me here. You know, what I'm saying is that, you know, when you see, uh, when, you, when Uncle Rowan dies and you're like, I mean, Uncle Rowan would have been really close to someone, a few people that really loved Uncle Rowan. But it doesn't matter even if, if it's your, you know, your parents or um, someone really close to you. that You've still got memories where you're like, oh, yeah, but Uncle Rowan was a bit of a dickhead or you know, how do I say this? Um, you know, Auntie Pam was a cunt, and you have, yeah, you, you still have memories. Like, and you go, I love this person. And some people are just purely joy. Um, like they're like human labradors, just full of love. But they're few and far between. Humans are a lot more complex than animals. But what animals give you, and certain pets, especially dogs, um, is unconditional love. And it's not like you look back at you know at Benji or um, you know Doctor Noodles. Uh, my favorite named uh, dog ever. By the way, the, the story behind the name Dr. Noodles, uh, this is really cute. This is happening in Richmond in Melbourne. I reckon 20 years ago, I saw what looked like a really hardcore bikey guy, and he was chaining up or tying up his chow. Now a chow are one of those dogs that look like, they look like lions and they've got blue tongues. They're huge dogs, they're beautiful. They're really fluffy and super cute. Um, look up if you, you think that sounds like a made up dog, it's not. Um, look up a picture of a chow. And he was chaining up, he was tying up his chow to a pole to go inside a shop or whatever. And I love dogs, and I was like, oh my god, look at him! And I was like, oh, dog, boy, dog, boy, dog. and uh, the guy was looking at me like a freak. And then I, <laughs> and I said to the guy, I said, oh, what's his name? And this tough bloke just looked at me and he goes, Dr. Noodles. And I laughed, God I love. I mean, of all, the, of all the names, it's the greatest dog name I've ever heard, it was Dr. Noodles, anyway. Um, the thing is about a, a pet's grief, it's not like you, yeah, with Uncle Rowan and you think back about that time, you're like, Uncle Rowan was an asshole at that Christmas party, or Uncle Rowan did this, Jeezy was stingy with his money, all this type of stuff. You look back at dogs or cats and you just think, the worst thing they could have done was do a shit on the rug. And it's not like you're thinking about that, like, oh God, he's dead, but bloody, remember that time he did the shit on the rug? Remember that time he vomited, bloody Mr. Miyagi vomited a rat? It's not you're thinking about that, just thinking about the bad things. So the, the pet grief is so hard because the love that comes at you from these animals, they just want to see you. And I know, you know, there's the cynics out there that don't understand animals. My partner does not get animals at all. Um, and people say that's a red flag. It's not. She's she's gorgeous. She's more like a Labrador than I am, that's for sure. And in, in a good way, just in terms of unconditional love. But... Um, yeah, just the love that you receive back from an animal. Oh, you know, it's intense. So when a dog dies or you lose a pet, it, it's a really full-on grief that, yeah, I just, I, I don't think people around you who don't understand that stuff really um, can accept um, or acknowledge or really comprehend. But yeah, anyway, my thoughts are with any of you who've um, recently lost your best mate. Your little bloody best mate, mate. It's bloody not right. Oh, hey, um... How do I, look, this is going to be a hard one, um, to explain this. How do you, how do you kind of give someone, this is, yeah, this, I don't know whether I could get in trouble for this. I don't think the person's going to listen to this, but how do you, how do you let someone know that you think they're going mad? Like really you're on the edge and there's something about, something's about to snap inside of you. How do I say it to you without offending you? And letting you spiral. Or who do you contact if you can see someone in a free fall and you're like, Oh my God, these are all the warning signs of something not right. I I don't know what to do because I have a person in my life and I can see what's going on. And I'm talking about this person talking about coincidences and paranoia To the point where they are talking about that they think that people are talking about them on phones that they don't know in public and hiding behind hedges and looking at them and asking them questions that they think are only personally relevant to them but even if i looked at it objectively which i have they're pretty normal questions Um, and the word coincidence keeps coming up. There's too many coincidences and they think they're being followed and there's a big, big, bigger picture to this. And this person is not like, you know, um, working within the government or has any reason to be followed by anyone. There's nothing there. It just seems like it's the beginning of a mind on the verge of an implosion. What do you do? Cause I mean, I, I, am sure I'm not being, um, how do I say this? Uh, uh just a, like, oh, yeah, bullshit. You go, on. that's bullshit. No one's following you around. I mean, I guess a, a cynical of what they think is happening to them. Because it could be. There is a chance. But I reckon it's a 3% chance that what is happening to them is actually a real thing that's happening to them. I believe it is actually something they've concocted in their mind. But how on earth do you address that with someone? You can't just go, hey, you're about to go mad. You You are... I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say... I mean, how do I say borderline personality? I don't know what it is. Or uh, is it schizophrenia? I don't know what it is before that. But it does sound like the beginning of something that goes wrong internally in someone's mind. There was a great film about it. I think it was uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind about that game show host. And no one could work out whether it was true or not. Whether he was a spy or he wasn't a spy, but he hosted the gong show. It's a terrific film, by the way. It's directed by um, George Clooney, of all people, but um, and starring one of the be- the greatest actors ever, uh, Sam Rockwell. Um, I thoroughly recommend you watch it. But um, I, yeah, I'm watching this stuff happen to this person, and I've asked to speak to their parents um, just casually, like, "Hey, what's your dad's email?" <laughs> it's really- Weird, weird thing to just ask someone as well. So that would trigger some paranoia too. Anyway, I don't know what to do in that case. Is there a hotline? Do you know what I mean? I know there's Lifeline, but Lifeline's not the one for it. But is there a hotline like, you know, one eight hundred? I think I've got a friend who's going mad. Dot dot forty six. I don't know. Anyway, there's got to be something there. Or what do I do? Do I because if I was just to leave post-it notes for them or send them messages cryptically? I reckon that would add to the paranoia. Do I just wait for it to snap, the snap of the paranoia? Whew, yeah, it's um, it's been wh- it's way, weigh- it's been, it's been a while, but it's been weighing heavily on my mind, and I um, I don't want to just avoid the person in the situation because I'm legitimately worried. But then when I show that worry and concern, that makes them angry. Gee, it's a strange position to be in, isn't it? This is a bloody heavy. This is a heavy podcast this week, episode fourteen. I think I found my groove. With this, I think finally um, I found what this podcast is. It's just my internal paranoia, then fed to you into your ear holes. Then you think about your paranoia and go, "Yeah, the world is fucked." Um, are people getting angrier? Are the streets angrier? I mean, I know there's a without a doubt there's a recession. People are poor. By the way, Patreon people, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It really, look, it's, you know, I've not got a lot of Patriots, Patreons, Patrons, What anyway, Patrons. Um, but it's enough just to help with certain things in my life financially, which is really, really so nice. And you know, if you, it doesn't matter, I'm sick of spruiking, I'm not sick of spruiking, I just feel really kind of like a yucky person spruiking. Patreon but it's it is very beneficial and if you can afford 3 dollars a month which is half a coffee that's really nice of you um it and it really is genuinely I just yeah and yeah occasionally I'll send just private messages to my patrons and thank them thank them and I try to upload some videos there but on the platform for Patreon they make a link to Vimeo and then they make you they charge you bloody 16 dollars a month to put things on Vimeo. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, why is everything? I mean, I know that I'm, I'm not charged. This podcast is free. It's only if you want to um, contribute on Patreon. Uh, but everything, bloody everything, you got to bloody digitally. There's got to be ways around this stuff. Free stuff. Little bloody just, can't I just get on the internet and do something for free? That sounds right. That sounds like how you get into trouble. But do you know what I mean? Like, anyway, everyone's there with their fucking hand out, know I've got my hand out. But I'm bloody, you know, I'm an artist. My bloody poor artist struggling during a recession. I'm not Hughie. I'm not bloody Jimmy Carr. All right? I'm not bloody uh, D- Dave Chappelle. But you never know. I might have my, I might have my breakthrough, guys. My new show might be the show. It's gonna be. It's oh my god, the amount of effort I've put into this show. It's insane. And it's multimedia as fuck. There's big screens and all this shit. I've used all this stock footage. It's insanity. Um, anyway, it's my mind in a show. Just vomit. It's my mind regurgitated on stage. And I cannot wait. Uh, by the way, Perth's on sale. Come to Perth. June 17. Um, and where else am I going? So, of course, Melbourne is selling out fast. Getting to Melbourne quick. And Adelaide doesn't matter, I'm there for two weeks. Uh, it'd be good if you did book tickets because then you'll be assured to get in. Friday, Saturdays will completely sell out. So if you want to go out on a Friday, <gasps> sorry, hiccup, a Friday, Saturday, oh, another hiccup, um, do uh, do book because they will sell out because people love going out on a Friday, Saturday, which I get, you know, Wednesday night's hard to go out. You've got stuff to do, there's school kids and shit. Um, you know, but bloody, they're the days to go out. The funniest shows I ever do, Thursday nights. I don't know why. Thursdays and Sunday nights are my best shows. I don't know why. Friday, Saturday, there's always a little bit too much expectation in the audience. Um, you've always got a few people in there that just aren't quite sure. And they're just like, ah, oh, it's fucking, it's my Friday night, mate. This better be the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause I'm giving you my Friday and I understand that pressure. I'm an entertainer. I'm there to give you a product. My product is laughter. So um, yeah, there is there is there's definitely pressure on a Friday Saturday night, but yeah Thursday Sundays my best shows. Uh, Wednesdays are always weird because people are just like oh fuck it's Wednesday, and uh, Tuesday nights I don't even know why the fuck you're going out. I don't know why I have to put on sh- shows on a Tuesday night. Um, they're always uh, loosey goosey and you never know what's going to happen. That's and Monday nights I just refuse. Anyway, um, that's it doesn't matter. Perth Melbourne Adelaide on sale and I did to people in the UK and I know there's a lot of you listening. Um, I am going to be there at some point this year. I don't give a shit. I'm going to get there. Um, I don't I don't know how, but we're going to get there. Um, the cost of flights at the moment overseas are ridiculous. So we'll look and see. Maybe there's a promoter listing that will go, all right, I'll bring you over, mate. I'll bring you over. All right, we're doing a deep dive in, in a minute to a, to a brother's grim, which I've not read. I'm going to read the whole story live. So stick around for that. Here's um, something I made for Triple J back in the day, uh, the youth radio network of Australia. And um, I'm going to, there will be, look, it will mention Triple J in there because there's no point editing around it. And it was me doing a fake mic break between songs and I go internally mad in my head and get paranoid. So I hope you enjoy this. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sam Simmons on Triple J. Filling in for Scott Dooley, poor Scog Do. as he has a little bit of a think about his life. Hey, uh, keep listening in because you've got the chance to win a Triple J prize pack. I think it's a bum bag. This boring. I think there's a a Richard
1: Kingsmill sock I'm I'm fooling myself. I'm fooling everyone um, else. I mean, all all I'm really thinking about is Ultrafil. i just going to get Ultrafil out of my mind. Ultrafil. Ultrafil. Ultrafil, he works at the bank. Ultrafil, help your dad get a bank loan. Ultrafil, has a ballpoint pen. Ultra Phil, I want to wear that dad at the beach, on a train, in a shop. I want to wear that on a bike, at the zoo, making soup. I want to wear that dad. The Sam Simmons Experience.
0: That was catchy. You gotta admit, that was, that's a a catchy little um, Ultra Phil. I actually wrote that uh, afterwards for Ronnie Chang, Ronnie Cheng, who, um, has become an international superstar. Um, uh, you know, and I'm bloody happy for him. Bloody, it's fine. It's fine that I saw him doing like one of his first gigs and I was like, that guy's pretty funny. And you know, I tried to take him under my, actually put him into one of my shows. He was, he had a cameo, Ronnie Cheng, international, um, superstar. He's on the daily show. He, um, what else was he in? Bruce? He was in a Marvel film. Good Lord. He was also in, um, recently he's in a film, a, a horror, which I want to go see called Megan, which is about a robot that comes to, uh, sorry, a dolly robot that comes to life. Speaking of dolly robots. Um, anyway, sorry, d- sorry, I'll go back to my other part, but uh, other thought on Ronnie. Um, yeah, I wrote a part for him in my, uh, te- my, my short-lived television series called Problems. Uh, which a lot of people still absolutely adore and love, um, but the old ladies at the ABC and the old men and your Richard Glovers on radio absolutely fucking hated it. Oh, it's fucking weird, mate. Um, Giles Hardy, some shithouse reviewer from the SMH as well, just like, oh, you try-hard hipster. It's like, oh, fuck off. I'm ahead of my time, you dickhead. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, it, it was it was short-lived, but, jeez, it had some good stuff. But Ronnie Cheng was in that. He, was, uh, he played my cat, Mr. Meowgy, which uh, people then pointed out that that was quite racist, that the only person um, of, you know, who was not of... uh, And by the way, I'm Danish Aboriginal Nova Scotian French Jew and I'm not walking around going, hey, I'm First Nations all the time um, because I feel like I I shouldn't because there's all this other stuff in there as well. And Anyway, it's a misrepresentation, but yeah, bloody, I'm proudly proudly who I am. I'm a a mongrel. But um, yeah, people were saying there was not enough representation in the show. This was 2012, I think. And I just wanted the funniest people in it, and Ronnie happened to be in it. And I, yes, I did cast him at one point as a cat called Mr. Meowgy. That's not racist. Anyway, he was very funny. He also played other characters. He played a guy called Phil who worked in a bank, and that was Ultra Phil. So I, anyway, I extended the show. Uh, extended the idea for the song into that show with Ronnie. Really, bloody hell, I'm going weird in my head. Um, yes, yeah, speaking of robot children... Uh, do you know it's a wonderful rewatch and I love it I don't know it's just a remake of Pinocchio but um, AI uh, which was directed by Steven Spielberg but was a concept written originally by Stanley Kubrick so this was going to be Kubrick's I think last film it was his big opus it was his reimagining of Pinocchio and Steven Spielberg loved Kubrick and he you know I think as an homage took the project and made it it's such a good film I think it's a really underrated film uh, I love it, and my, my daughter's seen it. Jude Law is brilliant in it. It's just a, a, it's a big, it's it is it's a Kubrick film. It is a Kubrick film. It's big and full of all these, it's got big messages in it. Um, I loved it. Some of you are just going to go, that's rubbish, but um, it's not. It's a, it's a wonderful film. All right, I'm going to get ready to do some Brothers Grimm. Sorry, I just uh, went off. I haven't got it printed out. Actually, I'm not going to print it. I'll just read it off the screen and be environmentally totally bloody good. All right, hang on a sec. It's
1: here, and it's the only music compilation you need this summer. It's 500 songs for blokes, on CD. That's way too many songs! Not if you've got testicles, dickhead. Yeah, but how do you fit 500 songs on one CD? Because we've cut out all the poofy singing. Who could forget this? Number 461. Number 278. Or this number, 57. Hey, Darren Middleton from Powderfinger here. Yeah,
0: and? Uh, that's it. Someone told me to be here and say, hi, I'm Darren Middleton from Powderfinger.
1: 500 songs 500 for blobs. Shove it up your manhole this Christmas. Out now.
0: Oh, Before I um, read this out, I'm just going to say, T-shirt's going to be happening soon. I think next weekend, not weekend, sorry, next week, I'm going to be able to go, right, you go here to get your t-shirts. So I'll let the link happen. Um, designed by the wonderful Cindy Sin. Uh, it's the logo for the podcast. Um, some will say Nisha's Quiche. Some will just have a picture of my face on it. Some will say Sam Simmons. Uh, I don't know whether you want to be walking around with my name on you, but my face, that cartoon is magnificent. So there are going to be Nisha's Quiche podcast t-shirts um, happening soon. I hope They just look cool. They look, bloody, It's a, such a cool image. Anyway, this is uh, this week's deep dive topic. Now, it's um, it's a brother's Grimm. I didn't know their names were Jacob and Wilhelm. Uh, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. And the I guess this story is called Mary's Child. I've not read it yet. Okay, I think last week I said I had read it and I'd skimmed it. I kind of had, but I haven't. Um, so I'm going to read it live to you. And then I'm gonna give you my basic I'm gonna just give you my opinion on what the hell this is about because apparently it's meant to be pretty effed up. Alright, here we go. So this is called Mary's Child, which uh coincidentally uh my my wife is a is a child of Mary, of a Mary. Um hello Mary if you're not listening because she wouldn't be listening at all. Lovely mother-in-law, oh my goodness, she's such such a bloody sweetheart. She's just goodness. She's just goodness. We call her Mary Not Enough Potatoes, by the way. Um, because whenever she cooks, she just never, never. there's never enough potatoes. I don't know why. It must be a war thing. But there's just never bloody enough potatoes, Mary. And we all just want one more little, one more potato. Just one, you know, between, if there's a dinner table of like five of us, bloody, just chuck an extra potato on, Mary. It's not going to kill you. Anyway, good old Mary, not enough potatoes. All right, here we go. This is Mary's Child by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. Um, I wonder how they did that, co writing these brothers. I guess it's like, um, those uh, film, you know, I guess film directors and co, I guess co-writers, but you know, who's coming up with the really good stuff? I guess it's Jacob because he's first or is he maybe the firstborn? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here we go. This is Mary's child. All right. I'll put some spooky music under this at some point, but this is it. Near a great forest, there lived a woodcutter with his wife. He had but one child, a three-year-old girl. Now they were so poor, they no longer had their daily bread and they did not know how they were to feed her. One morning, the woodcutter, filled with sorrow, went out to his work in the woods while he was chopping wood. Suddenly, there stood before him a beautiful tall woman with a crown of shining stars on her head. She said to him, I'm the Virgin Mary, mother of the baby Jesus. You are poor and needy. Bring your child to me. I'll take her with me and be her mother and care for her. Uh Uh-oh, there's a bloody red flag there. The woodcutter obeyed, fetched his child, and took and turned her over to the Virgin Mary, who took her up to heaven with her. Oh no, she's dead. Bloody, the woodcutter killed his kid. Here we go. There the child fared well. She ate sweetened bread and drank fresh milk. Her clothes were of gold. Well, that wouldn't be comfortable. And the little angels played with her. Okay, that's another another red flag there. When she was 14 years old, uh uh-oh, 14, the Virgin Mary summoned her one day and said, Dear child, I'm about to make a long journey. Take care of these keys to the 13 doors of heaven. You may open 12 of these doors and behold the glorious things inside, but the 13th door to which is the little, this little key belongs is forbidden for you. Be careful not to open it or you will be unhappy. Okay, so she's got a set of keys. There's, uh, what was it? 13 keys? 13 keys and one of them small. So she knows which one is the one. Let's have a look here. You may be... 13th door with little key. So she's to which this little key belongs. So she's shown her the key. She knows the key is there. All right. She knows the key opens up the bad door. All right. Okay. I reckon that's going to be a metaphor for virginity or something. Anyway. So the girl promised to be obedient. And when the Virgin Mary was gone, she began to examine the dwellings of the kingdom of heaven. Each day she opened one of them until she had all 12 had been to all 12. An apostle surrounded by great brilliance sat in each one. She rejoiced in the magnificence and splendor. And the little angels who always accompanied her, uh, accompanied, it's a hard word to say, rejoiced with her. Now, only the forbidden door remained. Uh Uh-oh, the virginity door, I reckon it is. And she felt a great sense of desire to know what was hidden behind it. She said to the little angels, I will not open it all the way, nor will I go inside but I'll only unlock it so I can just see through a little crack. Oh no, said the little angels, that would be a sin. Oh my God, this is definitely a metaphor for your virginity. All right, here we go. Um, Oh no, said the little angels, that would be a sin. The Virgin Mary has forbidden it and it might easily lead to unhappiness for you. Oh, bullshit. All right, this is some sanctimonious religious shit here, I reckon. To that she said nothing, but the desire in her heart was not stilled. To the contrary, it gnawed away, tormenting her and would give her no rest. Just have a wank. Just have a wank. Okay? You don't need to open the door. Anyway, right. Then one day, the angels had all gone out, and she thought, I'm entirely alone now. It's time to have a wank. No, I could peek in. If I do, no one will ever know. <laughs> is, it is. This is a bloody, this is a brother's grim story about masturbation. I... I I mean, I hope it is because that's where my mind's going with this. She sought out the key and as soon as she had it in her hand, <laughs> this is great, she put it into the lock as well and as soon as it was in the lock, she turned it around. Oh, this is great. The door sprang open. Oh, my flower. Um, this is great. The door sprang open and there she saw the Trinity sitting in fire and brilliance. She stayed there a little while uh, looking at everything in amazement the and then she put her finger... <laughs> A little way into the brilliance and her finger turned entirely golden. Oh my God, this is brilliant. Oh Jesus. Uh, immediately a great fear fell upon her. She slammed the door shut and ran away. Uh, it felt good, didn't it? You're bloody, you were mucking around downstairs. You were having a, you know, you were almost having a wank and it felt good. And then you had shame. All right. This is Catholicism. All right. uh, The fear did not go away. The fear, you mean the lust. Do what she may, her heart pounded uh, furiously forth and would not become still. The gold remained on her finger as well and would not come off no matter how much she washed it and rubbed. Oh, this is wonderful. Not long afterward, the Virgin Mary returned from her journey. She summoned the girl and asked her to return the keys of heaven. When the girl gave uh, the ring of keys to her, the Virgin looked into her eyes and said, Have you not opened the 13th door as well? No, she replied. Then the Virgin Mary laid her hand on the girl's heart. She felt how it pounded and pounded. And as she saw, uh, and saw well that she had disobeyed, disobeyed her order and had opened the door. Then she said further, you did not do it for sure? No, said the girl a second time. Then the Virgin noticed the finger had turned golden from having touched the heavenly fire and knew well that the girl had sinned. And she said a third time, have you not done it? No, said the girl a third time. Then the Virgin Mary said, you have not obeyed me and you have lied as well. You are no longer worthy to be in heaven. Oh, bullshit. She was just bloody. She was curious. She was exploring. She had a little bit of a wank. Um, then the girl sank into a deep sleep. Oh, okay. And when she awoke, she lay below on earth. Okay, so she wasn't dead. That's all right. They put her back on earth in the middle of the wilderness. So there she was alone in the middle of the wilderness, uh, a 14 year old girl who was just exploring her own sexuality. She wanted to cry out, but she could not bring forth a sound. She jumped up and wanted to run away. But whenever she turned, she was held back by thick thorny hedges, which she could not break through. In the wilderness where she was in prison, there stood an old hollow tree. She would have uh, would have to serve her as her home. So she had to climb in the tree. So she crept inside of it when night came and slept there. And when it stormed and rained, she found shelter inside it. But it was a miserable life. Oh, God, come on. Um, She cried bitterly when she thought about how beautiful it had been in heaven and how the angels had played with her. Uh, Roots and wild berries were her only food, which she looked for as far as she could go within the thorns, Rara. In the fall, she gathered the fallen nuts and leaves and carried them into the opening of the tree. The nuts were her food during winter, and when the snow and ice came, she crept under the leaves like a poor little animal so that she would not freeze. All because she had a wank. This is ridiculous. I mean, also, she was abducted by her parents. Imagine that. Imagine just someone came along and said, All right, I'm going to take your kid now. Right, up you go. Don't wank. Um, Before long, her clothes were ripped to shreds, and one piece of them uh, fell off after another. When the sun shone warmly again, she went outside and sat out the front of the tree. Her long hair covered her on all sides like a cloak. Thus she sat year after year feeling the world's misery and pain. This is awful one day when the trees were once again a fresh green the king of the country was hunting in the woods he followed a deer that had fled into the thicket that surrounded this part of the, this part of the woods getting off his horse he tore through the brush aside. he tore the brush aside and cut himself a path with his sword when he had at last forced his way through he saw a wonderfully beautiful girl sitting under the tree covered entirely entirely with golden hair down to her toes This is getting weird now. Alright, filled with amazement, he stood still and looked at her and spoke to her saying, Who are you? Why are you sitting here in the wilderness? She gave no answer, for she could not open her mouth. The king continued, Will you go with me to my castle? This is now getting into some other weird shit. Here we go. To this she nodded her little head. What? I mean, oh sorry, her head a little. I was just wondering why she had a little head, but it's not. She just nodded her head a little. The king took her into his arms and lifted off. For fuck's sake, this is all that bloody savior bloody he's come to save ya. um lifted her onto his horse and rode her home uh, home with her arriving at the royal castle he had her dressed in beautiful clothing and gave her an abundance of everything um although she could not speak she was still so beautiful and charming that he fell in love with her this is ridiculous so you find yourself a beautiful mute is that like this would be i guess in the times of bloody Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen. Bloody, this is this is the, the ultimate fantasy. I want a woman that doesn't talk. She's got to be beautiful though. She's not talking back. This is, yeah, this is bullshit, this story, but I, I'm liking reading it. It was not long before he married her. Did she? Well, I guess she would have nodded yes. Anyway, about a year later, a new queen brought a son into the world. Afterward, the Virgin Mary appeared to her in the night when she was laying alone in her bed and said, If you will tell the truth and confess that you unlocked the forbidden door, I will open your mouth and give you back your speech. But if you persevere in sin and stubbornly deny it, I will take your newborn child away with me. The Queen was allowed to answer, but she remained obstinate and said, no, I did not open the forbidden door. And the Virgin Mary took the newborn child out of her arms and disappeared with it. Jesus Christ. The next morning when the child was not to be found, it was rumoured among the people that the Queen was a cannibal. Oh, and she killed her own child. Here we go, here's a twist. She heard, This is all because she had a wank, by the way. She heard all this and could not say nothing to the contrary, but the King did not want to believe it because he loved her so much. One year later, the Queen again bore another son. Uh, in the night, the Virgin Mary came to her and said, If you will confess you open the forbidden door, I'll give you your child back and release your tongue. But if you continue in sin and deny it, then I'll take another newborn child with me as well. Oh, goodness me. Then the Queen said, No, I did not open... You idiot! Bloody, just admit you had a wank. Um, I did not open the forbidden door and the Virgin took the child out of her arms and took it away with her back to heaven. The next morning when this child had disappeared as well, the children, uh, the people loudly said that the Queen had eaten it. So she's eaten two children. One a year. That's fair enough. And the, the King's counsellors demanded that she be brought to justice. Uh, however the King loved her so dearly that he would not believe it and ordered the counsellors under threat of death to say nothing more about it. Good man. He's standing up for her. Um, how long is he going for? Oh, it's not long, anyway. The following year the Queen gave birth to a beautiful daughter and for a third time, bloody of course, here she comes. Mary's come down the stairs again. And she said, follow me. Taking the Queen by the hand and she led her to heaven. Oh, hang on, who'd she take? Oh no, she took the Queen, so the girl, the mute girl, the mute Queen, and, t- and led her to heaven and showed her her two oldest children who were laughing and playing with, uh, with the ball of the world. Huh. Um, When the Queen rejoiced at seeing this, the Virgin Mary said, Has your heart not yet softened? If you will confess that you opened the forbidden door, I will give you back your two little sons. But for a third time, the Queen answered, No, I did not wank. Um, I did not wank uh, inside the forbidden door. And then the Virgin Mary let her sink down to earth again and took away her bloody third child as well. This is What are you doing, you mute Queen? Uh, The next morning, um, when it became known, all the people shouted loudly. The Queen is a cannibal, and she must be condemned. And the King was no longer able to hold back his counsellors. A trial was held, and she was not able to respond and defend herself. She was condemned to be burned at the stake. Um, Wood was piled together, and after she had been bound tightly to a stake, the fire was beginning to burn around her. The hard ice of pride melted. Oh. The heart I surprised, melted. her heart was moved by regret and she thought, If only I can, could confess before my death that I opened the door. Then her voice came back to her and she cried out loudly, Yes, Mary, I did it. You didn't cook enough potatoes. Um, no, yes, Mary, I did it. Immediately rain began to fall from heaven and it put out the fiery fr- flames. Come on. Uh, A light broke forth from above her and the Virgin Mary descended. She had the two little sons by her side and the newborn daughter on her arm. Speaking kindly to her, she said, Whoever repents a sin and confesses it will be forgiven. What? She gave her the three children, released her tongue, and gave her happiness for the rest of her life. That's ridiculous. That's it. The end. That is absolutely... What a load of... I mean, of course it's a load of shit. It's a story. It's a bloody... It's a fairy tale. But that's... I mean, it's... Uh, she'd have burnt toes for sure because she was tied to the stake and the, the flames were licking her. Can I go back there? It was... The next morning... Hang on. She was, was... Wood was piled and she was bound tightly. The fire was beginning to burn around her. Yes, yeah, so she would have bloody had burnt... The toes would be all bloody toasted. She'd be... Like, no, burnt, burnt foot. She'd have hot foot. Ow, hot foot! Um, anyway, we, obviously that's uh, that's all about um, pride, not talking, and don't wank, uh, I guess is the, the thrust of that story there. I liked it though. Thank you very much. Now, I can't remember who sent that to me. Um, do send your ideas for deep dives, any other effed up, even effed up fairy tales. Um, you want me to do some dream analysis, you've had a weird dream, if you've got any problems in, in your life, like an agony aunt, I am on. Daddy is back in business with the podcast. I am so. Uh, I'm. I'm sorry. The last few podcasts have probably been a little bit. There was probably a lot going on in my mind. But um, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back in shape, baby. So ready to take uh any any requests, whatever you need. The email is. It is a hard email to remember. Sam niche as quiche. It's just. I mean, the most ridiculous words. But you can. I'll put, maybe I can put the link to the email in the description on the podcast maybe I'll just do that I mean god damn it I'm such a technical Luddite but um, yeah so keech at gmail.com and uh, send me any messages whatever you want any questions I'd be happy to answer them for you thank you very much for that whoever sent that in that was uh, that was good I like doing that and I guess we learnt um, some paranoia from the, the I guess the Catholic any church really in there don't touch yourself and all that Bloody! What? How ridiculous! How oh, bloody! It's silly. Anyway, look, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, be bloody lovely to each other. You're feeling shit? Pretend you don't feeling shit. It helps in a way. And I, I'm not saying swallow those feelings down and put them in the third drawer, but um, you know, sometimes it's just not. If you if you exude You know confidence and kindness or not even confidence if you exude niceness and kindness then uh niceness and kindness will come back to you god damn it i sound like fucking a brother's grim anyway i hope you're lovely i will leave you with a a final thought i don't know what music i'm going to play at the end of this it'll be something buoyant and lovely that won't get me in trouble with spotify anyway all my love to you and i'll speak to you next week bye actually hang on not buy yet we've got a budgetary uh concern here I can't afford the robot voice anymore because it costs $16.49 a month. How ridiculous is that? So it's, it's gone. Yeah, at the time you're like, oh, this is good. It's worth it. it it's not worth it. I'm just going to read it out myself. Um, also, what am I playing at the end here? Because people get angry if I don't tell them the bit of classical music or whatever it is, the, the song. Um, this is Franz Liszt. Uh, Grande Etude de Paganini, number three. La Camarilla. So I got to the hiccups bad this morning. Alright, bye! So here's my final thought. Why not try to convince a child today that baby oil comes from real babies? Nice one.